Good morning, everybody. I, uh, I'm excited the fact that I'm even here. Um, it's, uh, it's actually pretty interesting. I was supposed to fly out Friday, and the Lord, the Lord told me that I was supposed to postpone my leaving and that I should push it back a couple of days for some personal things, take care of some personal things, spend time with family, and, and then he said, I want you to preach Sunday. So I'm, I'm excited, just like you guys are, to find out what in the world I'm going to talk about. <clears throat> um, he's told me quite a few things, and I mean, so much so that I was very confused as to how it all correlates, but we'll find out. I am, I am cluelessly excited about what God is doing in this particular time. And I say cluelessly because all I know is I get a sense that there are some heavy, heavy, good, but might also look bad things that are about to take place by the hand of God in this season, in this time. I think by the end of this year. And I, I wanted to start just by giving a quick update of what happened. I mean, I know all of you know that I'm here from Nigeria um, that, that I've actually went, went down with our founding pastor, Greg, um, down to D.C. to spend time there as the Lord directed to meet a few people. And actually, he, he, put, he put in my mind a particular person to go and seek out and meet, and he gave me a very specific word to give. So that was the first person I met. The Lord actually said to me that I am to go and meet this person alone on neutral ground and deliver this word. Had no idea why, had no idea what the reason was. I could just guess that he's doing something. So as things progressed and as I began to seek that out, we booked tickets or we were looking at tickets and all these things, getting the trip set while I was in Nigeria. And then the Lord dropped in my spirit that Tewase needs to come, who is the former chief of staff to the governor of Benway State, because he's got something that he wants him to do out in D.C. So I said, okay. So we start booking the tickets. We, we did book the tickets. And it would have put he and I in D.C. at the same time flying together. And I didn't even think about the fact that that would, to me, obviously mean I wouldn't be meeting this guy just by myself, that I would go with Tewase. And the way the Lord works sometimes is it's just it's really wild how he'll bring you through a particular path if you just follow him and just listen to his words and just act in pure obedience everything ends up clicking in the end it may not make sense in your path his ways are higher his thoughts are higher all all our responsibility is just to purely obey him in every form and every fashion so as we're walking down this this path of getting him here and and doing all of these things it occurs to me that well Maybe maybe he's also going to meet him. So I talked to Tewase. I said, do you know this organization? Do you know this person? And he said, well, you could say so. And I was like, okay, well, he, he, he wants me to talk about these things with these people. And he goes, well, you won't be telling them anything that they don't already know. In fact, this guy is one of my best friends. And, you know, all this and all this and everything just started to click and connect together. So it started to make a little bit more sense. But then Tewase could not get his visa. And he never... He hasn't made it out here yet. We're still having issues with his visa. And lo and behold, 
I end up meeting this guy completely by myself on neutral ground with a with a, a house that was given to us to use in D.C. for the trip. And I was I was able to deliver the message, which was God says he's doing something new in Nigeria. Will you join him? And this this guy, he starts freaking out. He starts freaking out. He said, I have literally been speaking to the Lord, heavily questioning the Lord. I've been doing all this work for years for Nigeria, advocating and doing all of this awareness raising and fundraising. When is it that you're going to show me what what will actually do? I don't understand, you know, why it seems to be getting nowhere. They've hit brick wall after brick wall. And he said, when you asked me this question, all of my spirit and all of my body says, yes, I am yours, Lord. I'm already here. I'm ready. So that was that was very interesting. First of many meetings. From there, we, we had no other plan, no other plan. He, he just told me to reach out to this guy. And from there, he recommended that we meet with this other guy. So we meet with another guy, and then they recommend another person. And before you know it, we have met two, two senators, the, the staff of another senator, um, and then we're meeting all of these other people through, through just networked connections. And so I want to say... We went with no plan. We went with simple instructions by the Lord to just go to D.C. and meet with this one person. And we had no idea why except to just deliver this short sentence of a question, word from the Lord. And what it has turned into is truly, and, I, and I, I'm probably going to be really failing to describe the magnitude of everything that has taken place in, in D.C. just this short week. It's massive. It's massive. Um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll just briefly describe a, a call that we took that took place this past uh, Friday. It was a virtual call. We didn't even have to go back to D.C. for it. We met with uh, a president of an organization that does world uh, work worldwide, many places, Asia, Africa, um, just all over the continents. And he just began to, I mean, just express such amazement and and surprise at every single thing that we talked about what we're doing in Nigeria. Um, and, and just to give a short testimony of the fact that what God is doing is nothing short of a miracle in Nigeria through us and through others, and he has strategically placed different people and different organizations that have been listening to him in the correct um, lane. And right now he's beginning to unify and connect every one of those, those organizations for one unified vision. And we're seeing the beginnings of this. This, this, this gentleman was amazed in so many ways. He has a particular lane of farming and agriculture that he does in, in Nigeria. And it just beautifully, beautifully connected I mean, just amazingly with, with what we're doing in our ministry there in Nigeria. So he was very excited. It was probably the most uh, impactful meeting, I would say, to, to the work that we do there and just the greatest and deepest connection that I feel is probably going to come. And furthermore, there's, there's, there's even so much more. There's um, a pretty amazing opportunity that is going to be given to us here in the next couple of months that's already in the works um, that I'll... Greg can share it when and if he wants to, um, but for now, we'll just pray into it. But I, I just wanted to give a brief update and, and you know, not go into too much detail because I really wanted to get, get into what uh, the Lord has. But bottom line is it's, it's obedience at every turn. Everything that God asks you to do, 
be obedient in it. There's a statement that I kind of, maybe it's out there somewhere. I'm not copying it from anywhere. Maybe great minds think alike or something. I don't know. But just this statement that if you consider anything, when God asks you to do it, if you consider anything, it's a distraction. It's a distraction. If you have anything as a consideration, when God asks you or tells you to do something, that consideration is categorically a distraction. If he asks you to go to, you know, move to Nigeria and build this building or start this farm and all of this stuff, you and your family alone, go there and do this, and you're considering in your mind, well, okay, I I know that you said that to me, Lord, but... I don't have money. Even if I sold my house, there's not much equity and, you know, all this. And I don't know how we're going to do that. That right there, if you fixate on that, it's a distraction. I don't know how I'm going to do that. I I have a newborn child. I have 17 kids. I have this and that. It's a distraction. Because God won't call you to something that he does not figure out the way for all of those other things. That is the principle of Matthew 6. The principle of Matthew 6. In fact, let's turn there. I feel like... There's just so much scripture flowing in my head that we might end up reading half the Bible today. I don't know. Maybe that's why worship ended so early. Let's go to Matthew 6. Didn't even plan to be here. Okay. Sorry. So, we will... Start in verse 25, Matthew 6, 25, and I'm, I'm reading from the ESV. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into an oven... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first. This is Matthew 6.33. In case you don't know this verse, get used to it. It is literally the core verse of Ignition 6.33. It's based on this scripture. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So in case we've been talking that verse or you've been thinking in your head and you're like, yeah, and all these things, but well, what are these things? It's what is previously talked about. It's, it's everything, everything that you need. If there was a verse that I had to tell someone to live by, truly it is that verse, Matthew 6.33. And this is not some like, plug for ignition 633 come join us it's it's not a promise it's about a plug for coming to join god in what he calls you to do the the essence of anything you need any need at all whether it's money clothes um, um wisdom in a decision 
whatever it is, God will provide every step of the way. He provides everything, no matter what. I know personally of many people in this room, some, some very recently, in fact, who have made decisions in their life based on what God, they knew God was telling them to do, even though it cost them an income, even though it cost them, you know, uh, the, the, the turmoil of not knowing what's next, even if it's, you know, all of these things. There are so many. We have, we have you know, just to name a few, we, we have people who are giving up everything here in the U.S. to move to Nigeria. They're giving it all to go to Nigeria and do whatever God. If you ask any one of them what in the world they're going to be doing in Nigeria, I'm pretty sure they don't really have an answer. Is that right? Do you guys have an answer? I don't even have an answer, and I'm the international director leading the ministry there. So, you know, that's not for me to answer. That's for God to answer. But rest assured, he's going to answer it. And he's going to answer it in his time, not yours. Right? He's going to answer it. And he's going to show you every step of the way, and he's going to provide every step of the way. I want to move into, I think, let's see if we end up going here. I want to move into... There's two other things I really want to bring up and talk about because it's just rested so heavy on me, these, these concepts. And one, first off, let me just tell you, I know Greg says this too, it's just such the truth. If I were to stand up here and tell you that I'm coming from a place of complete understanding in this, <laughs> don't believe me because I'm not. I am just as in process with a lot of these things, learning it step by step and can really only speak to what I'm going through as well what the Lord has confirmed and taught me, what I've experienced his faithfulness in, that's the only thing that I can really share is my testimony and things, right? So I, I, I want to go to two um, pieces. And first I want to talk about the concept of rest, right? And there's so much. There's so much to rest. There's so much that can be talked about, given analogies, all of these things. But I just I want to give my my spin that the Lord's kind of had me in and kind of shown me about rest and rest <clears throat> is certainly essential in times like this, right? I have experienced when I was in DC, a, a new challenge to my faith. And I, and I wouldn't even, I don't know if it's a challenge to my faith, but a challenge to my rest, a challenge to my ability to, to surrender because truly rest is the combination of trust Faith and surrender in the Lord, to the Lord. <clears throat> it really is. Those three things combined, put together, is what allows you to enter rest. It's what gives you the peace inside that rest. And when I was in D.C., you know, just, just like I was saying, we, we went there with one meeting, just one, and that, that we knew about, that God told us about. Had no idea. I'm here for, what was it? 10, 14 days almost I was here in the U.S. to meet with one guy. Like, that's a really long meeting. Um, and it really wasn't. We met for 45 minutes and then went to dinner. Um, that, that was basically it. And so you enter into this thing where you're like, okay, why, why in the world am I here? You've told me nothing except meet with this guy. If you don't enter into a place of rest with that, you will, stri- you will end up moving into, because it's human nature, to, to move into a place of striving, to move into a place where it's chaotic in your mind. You begin to go through turmoil because you're not anchored on the trust and faith in the Lord, and you're not surrendered to, to what he wants you to do and his movements. 
In order to enter rest, these are some of the things that I just, as I sat down and I said, what is it that you really have to surrender in order to enter into this place? Because you have faith. You have as much faith as you possess. God is the author and, and the, the one who increases our faith, right? You can't give more than what you have. If I have $5, I can't give you $10. It's just the basic concept. I just can't. Maybe if I went to the bank and got a loan, but that's still not mine. So if I have a portion of faith, I can't give you more than I have. But if I, if I wanted to invest my money into a stock market and I had $5, I could buy a share of, uh, I don't know, what's $5? Like maybe McDonald's value menu stock or something? I don't know. But you give $5 into a stock, and it's a never-failing return on investment to invest in the kingdom of heaven. It just isn't. When you invest your faith, if you look at faith as a currency, it's a never-failing good return on your investment. If you invest the $5, you might get 10 back, and now you have 10 to invest. And there's a, it continues to grow and compound and everything because you stepped out and you invested where there might be risk. But there is no risk. That's the like secret ingredient. There's no risk to investing your faith into the Lord. Um, <clears throat> but when we look at what, it, what we really have to surrender in order to enter into this rest, it's surrendered expectations. I know many people, including myself, in, in my entire walk with the Lord, per, you know, progressively it's gotten better because I'm growing in my relationship with the Lord. I'm growing in faith, and I'm growing in my surrender. Um, if you think you have everything surrendered, uh, he'll show you there's another thing, you know, eventually. Surrendered expectations. When you, when you go step into a calling like going onto a mission field. And I speak a lot about that because that's just my testimony. It's my life. And that's what I have, what I have proven out with the Lord in terms of his faithfulness to me. So forgive me for really beating that one, you know, down. But when you, when you have expectations, you know, when I went on this missions trip for the first time in 2018 out to Nigeria, I think I've shared this testimony before. I went out to Nigeria <clears throat> with, you know, the expectation that, I would, you know, we'd get there. I, I kind of expected to have, I, I didn't know anything about the loss of power infrastructure, except for, you know, certain people that would tell me. So I went there not really knowing what to expect, but expecting that there would be, you know, a decent amount of power and there probably is air conditioning based on the stories that Greg and them have told. You know, most of the places we sleep have air conditioning and all those things. Well, when I went, um, I think you remember the story. We stayed in this hotel that just, I think they had power four hours a day. Um, the air conditioning was there, but because the power wasn't there, neither was the AC. Um, the shower, um, the, the drain inside, the, the shower was like an insert shower in the corner of the room, and the drain had some big crack or leak or must have, because every time you took a shower, all of that drained water would go into the floor of the bathroom. So there would be like two inches of water on the ground all over the bathroom, which includes where the toilet is. So if you have to go, you know, to the bathroom, you're trudging through water uh, after somebody takes a shower. So we considered not taking a shower, but the fact that there was no air conditioning and a lot of sweat and all of that, that wasn't a good recipe. So we decided to, sh to shower. 
So we go in, and, and it's just, it's an atrocious mess with water everywhere and all that. So middle of the night, 2 a.m., you know, I had to get up, and I had to go pee. And so, you know, I, I, I go to the restroom, and I'm just like, squish, 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 you know, all through the water. I get back into the bed afterwards, and it's like all I can do to not leave wet stains at the feet of the bed from all the water on my feet because I couldn't find a towel, you know, all of that. And then furthermore, we go into, there's these built-in wardrobes where we put some of our clothes, like suits and things, which I'm really surrendered if I wear a suit in Nigeria. But there's, you know, all our hanging clothes and everything, and I go to open the cabinet and the door falls off. You know, just like every single thing that could go wrong went wrong on this trip. And that was the very moment where God told me, hey, I want you to like move your whole family here, which at the time was just my wife. But I want you to move to Nigeria. And I thought, you are joking. But I didn't expect to be called to that country. I didn't expect all these things to happen, and they're, they're rudimentary things. But your expectations have to be surrendered. If God calls you to start a church, you would expect that soon there's going to be tithes, and that's how you'll form your income. Man, surrender that expectation. Maybe there's not. Um, God will provide in other ways. If God calls you into, you know, to get a job, you know, just all of these different things do not fixate on a specific outcome or a specific expectation. Otherwise, you're really going to struggle. Surrender your desires. That kind of goes with expectations. If you have certain expectations, that's one thing. But you may even have desires. Okay, Lord, whatever, whatever you want to do as long as there's air conditioning. You know, that's really what I desire. I would like air conditioning. And yes, I'm speaking about that because that was the one and only thing that made me hesitate about moving to Nigeria. Um, But I got over it. And the Lord did provide that. You know, thank God. Surrender belongings. If you know me, and I won't name other people in my family, but if you know me, I have a sickness with Apple. I like my Apple products. I just do. They're fantastic. But man, they're the Lord's. If he wants to just give them to somebody, if he wants to do something, I will, I will certainly seek confirmation 27 times before I do it, but I'll do it. You know, surrendered your family. This is a really, really tough one. When you are faced with doing something, answering a call to the Lord, you know, moving in anything God calls you to do, and... Really what it ends up being is a, is a choice between family and God's calling on your life. Now, it's not that he ch- makes you choose just between your family and God. That, that's not if everyone's on board. But sometimes we have family members that, that aren't on board with what God wants. They're just not. Um, you know, whether they're, they're lost people, whether they're saved but just not really going down the path of the Lord, whatever it is, that's, that's one of the reasons that God calls us not to be unequally yoked. Because that's a very difficult situation. It's, it's in some ways, can seem impossible. But there are times where God will literally call you to surrender your family to the Lord. I mean, down to, okay, I'll give you even examples of, of sickness. Maybe a child is sick or a husband, a spouse is sick in the hospital. And you're, 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 you're just, you're crying out to the Lord, Lord, you know, heal them, heal them, you know, all of these things. Sometimes he wants you to surrender them, not like give up and, okay, Lord, take them. But, Lord, whatever your will, whatever your will is for their life and for my life, whatever your will is, that's what I want. No matter what it is, I could expect that his will is that no one dies and my wife doesn't die or my child doesn't die. 
But look, the Lord's plans are higher. His thoughts are higher. And I don't want to give some negative message like, well, you know, prepare. Everyone's going to die. But that's, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is don't, sit, don't set your own expectations about how God wants to operate. Because God will do it the way he wants to do it. And we have to be okay with that. Because truly, his, his expectations or his uh, plans for our life that is truly the best outcome for our lives. So that, that's, that's one thing that's really difficult. And then, you know, I, I've talked about this a lot, but in Revelation, you have um, a, a portion of Scripture that talks about the power to change lives. And it says in the Scripture, the power to change lives rests in the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and many pastors just stop right there. Because Jesus did the blood of the Lamb, that's not our responsibility. That's great. That's easy. Because it's Him. Word of our testimony, okay, we need to keep a good testimony. That's our choices of obedience and, and, and acting on upon, upon what the Lord calls us to do. That, that's us. That's our testimony. And, but the final piece of that is that they love not their lives unto death, the ones who are carrying the testimony. And that's one that probably I would, I would deem one of the most difficult ones. I mean, even, even the song, uh, you know, I wish we could look at the, the words again because I forgot the exact words, but... The song talking about the fact that, I mean, the weight of the world on Jesus Christ's shoulder, with his own free will, he had every choice. I mean, Satan even tempted him with that. You know, look, jump down from this cliff, and, and your angels will get you, and you don't even have to do this. And, and look, you know, I don't want you to go through this. I'll just give you the whole kingdom of the world. I'll just give it to you. You don't have to go through all of that. You know, I'll give it to you. You know, Satan, Satan literally tempted him with all of those things, and yet knowing that it's totally his choice, knowing that Satan was in fact correct, he could have done that. He chose to do it God's way. He chose to do it God's way. And that's, that's a very difficult thing to do, especially when it comes to your own life. And when we enter into these surrendered things, when everything is surrendered before the Lord, every bit of your life, every aspect of your life, and we have and we pour in our faith in what the Lord is calling us to do, and we trust because every step of faith we've taken where he proves himself out. Lord, I'm really trusting you here. I'm going to quit this job, and I'm trusting you have something for me. And he does. He comes through with an, a, so much better of a job for the next thing. And those are those stepping stones, those memorial stones like they had in, in the Old Testament when they crossed the Jordan River. You know, let's set these stones up to remember all the things that God has done so we don't forget you know, those are, those are these stones, these, these rocks of a foundation that we step on that help us to build that trust and faith in the Lord. When you combine all these things, you literally don't care what happens. I mean, you care that the Lord has his way only. You don't care what happens. If the Lord calls you into going to Nigeria, you don't care that it's one of the most dangerous places in the world. You just don't. You just go because he said to go. When you have a child and a wife or you have, um, you know, family back home that are sick or, or, you know, various things that would pull at you, you begin to not care. And, and I'm choosing the words don't care. Of course you care, but you don't allow that to stop you. You don't allow it to stop you because that's surrendered to the Lord and in the Lord's hands. There's not a single thing that we can do. I mean, literally going back to Matthew 6, by being anxious, is there a single hour that you can add to your life? No, there's not. So just trust completely in the Lord. And I, I want to go now into a section, and, and I promise all of these seemingly maybe off-track things connect here. But I want to go to Ezekiel chapter 1.
Ezekiel chapter 1. And um, this, we're going to read about a vision that he was given. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I won't make that joke. Um, This is a really wild vision. Very, very strange, very complex. In fact, I'm, I'm quite sure that mankind still has no idea what it really actually means. As many theologians sit down and dissect this and try to give connections to this and this, I'm sure they get some of it right. But, and even as I go through it, I'm not even going to attempt. I'm just going to talk about the things that I know the Lord has shown me and that are a little bit easier to kind of, yeah, no, I could see that. Because they are really applicable to this idea of obedience. And so I want to look at um, chapter 1, verse verse number 5. And I'm, I think I'm going to read this whole thing. Forgive me if I skip over portions because I don't want the excess things that I'm not focused on to kind of confuse. But I, I would encourage you in your own time you know, with the Lord, read this 40 times. And I say 40 because it's going to take that many to get a grasp on what's going on here. Um, read this in your own time a couple of times really ask the Lord the Holy Spirit to show you what's happening here and what this vision is truly ask the Lord don't just look at this in on the surface and say whoa that's weird and they look creepy and you know move on really ask the Lord about this because there's something really impactful about this and really meaningful especially to the idea of obedient obedience and and what is happening even now with what God is calling people to do in his in his kingdom so verse 5 it says and from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures so so he he describes that this stormy wind happens and this vision's about to open up for for Ezekiel so so it says and from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures and this was their appearance buckle up they had a human likeness but each had four faces and each of them had four wings their legs were straight and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands, and the four had their faces and their wings. Their wings touched one another. Each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. And as for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side. The four had a face of an ox on the left side. And the four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. And their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of another, while two covered their bodies. And each went straight forward. Wherever the spirit would go, they went, without turning as they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning, and the living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of a a flash of lightning." Okay, I think I'm going to stop here. 
Let, let me skip over this next part because it talks about whirling wheels, which I'm not going to get into, and that really adds some complexity. But there, it is important, so read it, read it on your own time. Verse 22. Over the heads of the living creatures, there was the likeness of an expanse, shining like awe-inspiring crystal, spread out above their heads, and above, uh, under the expanse, their wings were stretched out straight, one toward another. And each creature had two wings covering its body. And when they went, I heard the sound of their wings like the sound of many waters, like the sound of the Almighty, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army. When they stood still, they let their wings, they let down their wings. And there came a voice from above the expanse over their heads. When they stood still, they let down their wings. And above the expanse, over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire. And seated uh, above the likeness of the throne was a likeness with a human appearance. And upward from what had, had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw as the appearance of fire, and there was brightness around him, like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of likeness and of the glory of the Lord. And, then, and when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. That's a lot. And... That's really weird and complex seeming, right? <laughs> there are four living creatures that have four faces. That sounds like a sci-fi movie. Um, I want to talk about a few pieces of this because they're, they're really important. And a lot of this is going to be conceptual, and it's going to be through the form of analogy, but it is really, really important. I mean, visions that people get, if you've ever had a vision from the Lord or dealt and spoke with people that receive visions or dreams even, there's some pretty close to this out there things in dreams and visions that you get. And the interpretation being brought back is, is you know, each, each piece of that wildness has true and very impactful meaning um, in, in what the Lord's trying to show. So I want to I wanna look at this, and I'm going to basically sum it up. There are four creatures that have, that have come out in this vision. There are four creatures. Each one of the four have for themselves four faces. Whether the face of the man is front and the eagle's back, it doesn't necessarily say, but I'm going to assume the face of the man is front-facing, eagle is back, and I think it says the, the ox is on the right, no, lion on the right and ox on the left, okay? The positioning of that, I haven't studied to find out what that means and, and all of that, but let's, let's look at the four faces. Those four faces are the human, the ox, the eagle, and the lion, Okay? They also have two sets of wings. So they have four individual wings altogether. Two of them, it says, cover their body. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a stab here and say that is the protection of the Lord. Two of those wings cover their body completely as a form of protection. While the other two spread out, touching one another's wings, they spread out completely up-facing up when they go to move. And when they move, they do not turn until they are done moving. 
They don't, they don't turn at all. Nothing stops them. Nothing distracts them. Nothing turns them, moves them at all. They move the way that they have set to move until they're done. So when they're done moving, and it says they move across like, like lightning, flashes of lightning, so fast, here to there, like, like the flash. When they're done and they've stopped, they let down their wings, those top two wings. They let them down, and they're still, completely still. There, I think there's another section of this I don't want to go to right now, but there's another section of this that describes it a little further. They go, and then they just stop, and they sit for a while, and all of a sudden this expanse above them, which I'm going to go ahead and take a stab and, and equate that because I believe the Lord's showing me that the, that the peace and interpretation for this, this word is the fact that that is the Lord's voice, the Lord speaking to them, giving instruction, giving them steps to take. So they, they literally come to a point where they stop, they let down their wings, and the Lord speaks and gives them a word, whether it's instantly, but they don't move. It, it shows, if you read this, they do not move until after the Lord has spoken. Then they raise their wings, they set their position, and they move without turning until they're done with that one. And they keep going, and they keep going, and they keep going, and, you know, that, that's that vision. So when you look at this, the concept here is these people are in a place of full surrender and full, precise obedience. And I say people. They're living creatures. These creatures are in full obedience and surrender to the Lord. Every single thing that the Lord tells them, they go and do. You know, so... You could equate, you know, does the Lord find somebody and say, hey, move to that corner of the room. Okay, and you go to their corner of the room. And then when he gets there, okay, move to this side. Okay, and he goes to that side. No, the analogy there is giving an instruction to one of God's children and them doing it and pursuing it with everything they have without turning, without distraction, without any hesitation. They are not diverted. They go right there. And then they, when they stop, they wait for the Lord. And... I pray I have had this, I have been studying this for like two years with the Lord. I've been studying this for, I think, a little over two years. Still, I don't understand it fully. But these are the pieces that the Lord has shown me so clearly, and I desire heavily to be in the likeness of these creatures in the aspects that I'm talking about. Because I do believe that's what the Lord is ultimately calling each and every one of us to be like, is the full strict obedience of everything the Lord asks us to do without any hesitation, without any attachments, unwavering obedience to everything he tells us to do. And I want to talk about the faces for a moment because these are actually very important. And so I'm not going to really talk about the human face. We're all human beings. I think we can understand at least in some level, in some measure, why these creatures would have a human face as one of the four. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll just say to start, I think it's absolutely because just as Jesus had to come down and be inserted into his own creation to, to show the way and to show mercy and show what it means to have the patience and the wisdom and, and wield all of these spiritual giftings that we all have access to through the Holy Spirit, he showed this in, in coming down to, to be part of mankind. We also have the ability to hold our own testimonies before other men and, and, and continue to show what it looks like to have relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm just going to give that. That's not the full sum up. Let the Lord and the Holy Spirit speak to you, but I'll, I'll give that as a start. Let's look at the ox for a moment. 
I think Shannon actually talked about this in her message a couple weeks ago, talking about uh, plowing, really talking and, and, and giving the concept and understanding of what plowing is. And it really speaks to that. The ox, it, it was interesting. I actually learned in studying more about the characteristics and traits of the ox. They have strength. I think she talked about this. They have immense strength and endurance. They go, they go, they don't go as fast as horses, but they go way harder and, and way, way more, um, uh, lengths of time for all of their work than, than what even a horse does and all of that. They are, they are work, work horses. They're, they're deeper than that, right? They are used for that intense need for strength in pulling the plow. And, and they just, they are described as one of the most um, used things for plowing and, and, and like sowing and carrying these, you know, because back in the day they had, you know, just things that sat on the ground and you literally dragged them across the ground to tear it up, to prepare the soil. And I, I won't go much deeper than that because you learned it two weeks ago. But another aspect of this that I didn't know actually was, and, and I knew that they, they attached, you know, mules or different animals to these wheels that they would spin around to operate machinery back in the day. But what I did not know is that the ox actually was used back in the day to trample on, on grains and things to actually perform a threshing on grains. They would literally bring them over, you know, whether it's wheat or, or different things, to literally trample overfoot all of this, this stuff to separate that wheat from the chaff, you know, kind of concept. That was interesting to me. Uh, I hadn't known that about the animal, um, didn't know they used it in that manner. But when I learned that, I just thought, well, that's really interesting. Because, yes, you could look at the fact that these four faces, I do, let me put it that way, I look at these from the fact that these are characteristics that God builds in an individual that is fully surrendered to the Lord and seeking him and continues to develop. It's not like you ever arrive at, at the finished process. We are a work in progress until we're done, until God calls us home. And then honestly, I think we continue at that point. But the ox, it was really interesting, you know, one, the fact that it's a plower. I mean, people who are called to God's, God's kingdom, there are times that you have to plow something, whether it's developing in a brand new church, a worship team, whether it is you know, plowing the ground on starting the church to begin with, you know, whatever it is, the mission field, <laughs> Whether it's actual farming, you know, there, there's plowing that you do in, in anything in the kingdom. Something must be plowed in order to sow something to bring the growth and then harvest it. That is the concept of the kingdom. There is that cycle. But the other interesting part about the ox is the, this threshing piece where they literally trample the, the grains and everything to actually get out of it what needs to come out of it, to separate um, the, the, the stuff that's not usable from the stuff that's usable um, as far as nourishment and, and the good stuff. And I'm not a farmer, so I'm saying stuff a lot. <clears throat> um, but that was really interesting to me because you, you look at a pastor. Let's look at a pastor, right? Um, a pastor who speaks or a missionary who speaks or even just an individual who speaks to his own family or a group of friends and all of these things, you can be called to plow from the standpoint of literally giving a word that is a hard truth, that, that in essence, giving that word of hard truth, of, of something that really challenges someone's perspective or challenges someone's lifestyle or this or that, 
when you're doing that, you're literally bringing the ox and you're trampling over all of their grain and literally separating out what's good and bad. You're, you're cutting through that line like the sword does. It cuts the bone from marrow. It's literally separating out and, and cutting through. Or in, in another way of saying it, that's a famous phrase from this pulpit, you're drawing the line in one way of looking at it. You're drawing a line for people by, by delivering that and by plowing this ground or by, you know, utilizing this characteristic of the ox. So I found that really interesting. And, I, you know, when you look at those two aspects of the ox, the strength and endurance to continue on when, when you know, things just are, are really difficult, the, the fact that you are really drawing out the good things out of people, developing people, um, that's what we're called to do, to disciple people. Um, those are really important to the kingdom work. And when you look at the lion, that's the other face. I think that was the one on the right side. Lions are the king of the jungle, right? That, that's like their, their mantra. And I want to turn to a couple. You guys don't need to turn there, but I'll, I'll turn there because there's like three or four here really quickly. But Isaiah 31, 4, um, if you could put it up on the screen. <clears throat> um, Isaiah 31, 4. For thus the Lord said to me, as a lion or a young lion growls over his prey, and when a band of shepherds is called out against him, he is not terrified by their shouting or daunted at their noise. So the Lord of hosts will come down. I just want to point that out because that's a biblical reference. We know that the lion is courageous. I could get up here and say, you know, the lion is courageous and all of these things that are well known. But I want to dig a little deeper and tie some scripture to it because lions are not afraid even when groups come to deter them from what they know that their eyes are set on to go and devour. Now, in this concept, it probably isn't good because the shepherds are trying to protect their flock and all of that. But, but when you look at it from the standpoint of when God sets your eyes on something and tells you, that's what I want you to go and get. That's what I want you to go and do. And you look at it from the standpoint of courageous because, I mean, there are some times where God tells you to do something and it's like even every one of the church members in your church is like, no, man, you know, that's, you know, I don't know. But they're coming from their own perspectives and things not understanding fully. When, when you know it's God. Even when you face tremendous opposition from, from lot, groups of people, this characteristic of the lion truly does give you that courage and the ability to not, to not be deterred by even, even people making noise about things. Um, <clears throat> Nigeria is truly in, I mean, we, we said the phrase to somebody, uh, actually somebody who was in the State Department um, formerly. And he was one of the four people on the actual board in the room when they signed Nigeria under the Trump administration to the global terror watch list. And I'm sure I'm not saying the right list, but basically to put them on the identified list globally for, for violence against Christians. He was one of the four people in the United States government in the room. So when we mentioned to him in, in a meeting with him that we believe Nigeria is on the brink of civil war within certainly within six months. He goes, oh, yeah, probably quicker than that. I mean, you know, he speaks a little bit with authority. He's got classified intelligence he speaks to on this subject. And that's a very, um, a very difficult thing. And, and the Christians there, 
the, the, the people who are seeking after God, crying out to God, they are ones who will have to harness this, this trait that God does freely give when you surrender to him. These four faces are the traits that he develops in every single person who develops a relationship with him. That is truly what happens. That is the case. And there's certainly a lot of people who are making noise in Nigeria, some with AK-47s, and that, that's pretty loud. Um, when you look at Proverbs 30:30, 30, 30, it, it says, let me, let me turn there. Proverbs 30, 30, the lion, which is the mightiest among beasts and, uh, and does not turn back before any. So he goes, nothing stops him from doing what he's doing. Just like the ox continues to move under the hardship of what he's doing, combine that with a lion. If you've got an ox with the face of a lion, you have an unstoppable force right there in completing a task, right? Because nothing's going to scare it away, and certainly no, no amount of hard work is going to stop it from continuing to move forward. When, when you look at the lion as well, they're very strategic, and they're very tactful. And that's another aspect that the Lord, through his wisdom and his guidance, see, all of that is not on us to do. We don't have to figure out how to be strategic. We're, we're not, we're not a, a, a commander of a war military and having to figure out the strategy ourselves. God is the commander of war. He is the strategic war general. And he speaks to us and he tells us what we need to do. And if we position ourselves like these four living creatures where he gives us an instruction and we move that direction, in essence, we're going to be strategic simply because we're following his direction every step of the way. And that is truly the essence of when Jesus said, take my yoke, it's easy. We like to make, you know, we like to think that we're smarter than we are. And we like to take really simple phrases in the Bible and be like, well, you know, I really think that it's speaking to this concept of things. And, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, really what it means here. No, that particular scripture is just flat out simple. Take my yoke. It's easy. Take my yoke. Do what I ask you to do. And it's just that simple. Every step of the way, we don't have to worry about anything. I mean, it is, it is like going back to like middle school where you just have to do what your teachers tell you. You have to do what your mom tells you, but you don't have to pay bills. You don't have to prepare your own food. You know, everything's just easy. It's done for you as long as you just obey, right? Um, so then I want to also talk about the, the eagle. The eagle, um, there's a couple characteristics I want to name and tie it into this. The eagle has insane vision, insane vision. Vision that is, I think it's eight to ten, if I remember correctly, eight to ten times greater than that of a human being. And their eyeballs are the exact same size as a human being. So it's not like they have some eight times bigger eye or, you know, whatever. Their eye is the same size as ours, and they have eight to ten times greater sight than what we have. They can spot a moving rabbit from two miles away. Human beings can't spot it from a quarter mile away. They can spot a moving rabbit from two miles away. I can't even see two miles, what, anything in two miles, and they can spot a rabbit? That is the equivalent. I, I Googled this. What, what is the equivalent to a human being? The equivalent is us being on the 10th floor of a skyscraper and being able to spot an ant. That's the equivalent. I don't know how they determine that, but that's the equivalent according to Google. So, you know, if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. But, I mean, truly, that is amazing. 
It's just amazing. And another really cool fact about eagles, they're, man, they're really cool. If I had to be an animal, I'd be an eagle. Eagles, yeah, don't laugh. Eagles fly even in bad weather. You know, all birds, you, you can tell when a storm's coming because all the birds are flying away from the storm. You know, these crows, robins, whatever, they're flying away from a storm. And the eagle gets out there and is like seeking. It, it Literally, eagles seek out storms to go and fly in. They seek it out. It's, it's because literally... The turbulent winds inside of a storm that's oncoming or, or, you know, moving in, the turbulent winds of that storm, they actually use to their advantage. In other times, they can't access the same heights that they can using the turbulence from a storm. It's insane. So every other bird, I think almost every other bird, I'm sure there's probably a few others that do the same thing, but... Almost every other bird flies away from a storm, and an eagle is like, really? It's coming? Yes. And they get out there, and they seek it out. And they use it to their advantage. They, they rise to levels they would never ordinarily be able to rise to because of the turbulence of the air, work, you know, them using that to their advantage. And they fly above it, and when they get to that height, they're able to fly so much easier and so much longer and further than they are ordinarily at the levels they can reach on their own. And it's, it's amazing. You know, when I was studying about the eagle and, and all these things, that is an amazing, cool thing. And they do fly at higher altitudes even normally. They fly at higher altitudes than most every other bird. So I think it's a basic concept that people understand that, you know, when, when you're trying to see something more clear, like in a battle or, you know, wherever, you're trying to see something more clear. Maybe, maybe you're in a big crowd at like Six Flags. I'm, I'm, I'm positive somebody in this room has done it. I feel like I have, but I don't remember. Where, like, you, you've lost somebody in your group at Six Flags or something like that, and you're like, oh, I don't know where they are. Or you're trying to look for this, this you know, hot dog stand. Like, I heard they have the best hot dogs. I need to find it. So you go and you're like, how are we going to find this? It's on the map, but I don't see it. You know, what's going on? Like, I know. Let's get on the Ferris wheel and we'll go, we'll go try to see it. So you get on something that brings you higher so you can see the, the, the playing field more clearly. Because the higher you are, the greater field of vision that you tend to have in a strategic manner. So they, not only can they already see an insane greater distance and detail than what we can see, they are able to utilize storms, things that, that ordinarily are bad and wreak havoc, to their advantage to go to higher heights to see even more clear. And then they, they're just able to pick all that up. Do you know that as well, an eagle has the, 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 the biggest, um, uh, coolest thing. Oh, I don't know how to phrase this because it's not cool, I guess, if you're an animal lover. An eagle has been able to, this is the, the biggest animal verified. They have killed a 135-pound pregnant, uh, like, it's called an EWE. I don't even know how to pronounce that, EWE, but it looks like a, like a ram or something like that, an ooh or something. You, okay, thank you. Yeah, see, I'm learning something today. But they have been, it's been verified, they have been able to come in a bird, you know, yes, an eagle's bigger and all of that, and, you know, they're tough, but it's still a bird. A bird came down and completely slaughtered 
a 135 pregnant, um, you know, pound pregnant uh, sheep, ewe, whatever it is. Um, they have killed deer. They have carried off up to 15 pound mammals, including monkeys and other things, picked it up and carried it off. Babies, yeah. Greg is terrified every time he takes Charlie out to go pee because he's afraid that one of those eagles is going to come snatch him up and he could, he could probably pick up two of them. I mean, it's insane what the eagle is do- doing. And I mean, 15 pounds is not a whole lot if you pick it up, but if you go to like a gym and you're like doing, you know, 100 curls, 15 pounds becomes a lot eventually. The eagle is able to rise to the highest level of altitude even while carrying something that's heavy. While something is weighing it down, it's still able to rise above the storm, rise above the other's perspectives. That is a very critical – I mean, it's cool that they can kill really tough and really heavy animals, and that probably fits in there somewhere, but he didn't show me how to tie that in. But literally – the, the characteristic of the eagle being able to rise above the storm, and that's like the cliched statement, but truly, you're able to bring your perspective above those around you. You're able to see things more clearly and more strategically than, than that of those, the, those who don't do the same thing. And that is really needed when you're called to, to something very deep and, and called to something that is the essence of complete and pure obedience, especially now. And... <clears throat> You know, when you're doing something for the Lord and he tends to hold the details close to his vest, like he doesn't share everything with you, he is very strategic himself. He'll ask you to go to D.C. with one meeting and not tell you anything. Meanwhile, he's got all these plans and all these people you're going to meet with. And truly, even after, I mean, I have to be honest, uh, you know, maybe Greg has a better idea, but I certainly don't. Um, Even after these meetings, the only thing I can really tell you is they were awesome. They were just really, really beneficial meetings, and I can sense that they're very important and they're they're huge, you know, in in what the Lord's doing. But if you had to, if you held a gun to my head and said, "Tell me one detail of what's," you know, I have no idea. I have no clue what he's going to do with it. I mean, I just don't. All I know is there is potential in every avenue. I see potential in every meeting that we had in D.C. I see potential in so many things that God calls. Me too. I see potential in so many things I see others being called to. Some people will share their, their testimony about, you know, okay, you know, God's really showing me how to do this, and, and I just see such, wow, that's a really, really great path. And, and I'm, you know, it just, it's, it's so clear God has something very important down that path, but I don't know what it is. You know, and, and so many people feel that way. I, God's calling me down this thing, but I just don't know what he has in store. That's such a precious place to be in with the Lord because it truly grows your faith because you have to invest more of your faith each step. And here's the part where I really try to tie it all in together. So pray for me. Um, Yeah. A walk with God in doing what he calls you to do is not easy when you don't enter into a place of rest and a place of surrender. I feel like I keep saying that phrase over and over and keep beating that one like a dead horse that, that an eagle killed. Um, but, but at the same time, it's just, it resounds and it resounds and it resounds in my spirit. There are things coming that the Lord is going to have happen, call you to, However you want to look at it, 
there are things that are coming in the coming months even that are going to take place, that God is moving in his kingdom, that he's asking us to partner with him in, in faith, in action, whatever it is, that are going to absolutely require this place of rest. If you are in a state of chaos over or, or, or turmoil over a decision, you know, you've, you've left one job, moving to the next job, you, um, you know, you're you're in the midst of trying to sell your house, and and or or something fails in your house. There's there's just all of these things, and I could just speak to thousands of examples of things that could that could throw you out of a place of rest. If anything gets you into a place where you've lost your peace, you've lost your peace. You're beginning to become anxious about it. It means that there is something that either you lack trust in the Lord over. You're lacking the faith in the Lord over, or at least you're not, you're not pouring the faith that's, that you need to pour into it, or you're not surrendered in an area. Flat out, you know, if the shoe fits, throw it away. Uh, you know, those are, those are the cases when you, when you are put out of rest. You need to desperately run and seek out the Lord to find that place of rest in everything because there are things coming that as, as the Lord moves and as he calls us into the next things that he does, if, if civil war breaks out in three months in Nigeria, certainly we on the ground are going to be challenged from the standpoint of not being anxious about that. I mean, I've got a one-year, nine-month-old child sitting in a house in Nigeria. I mean, even now I could be terrifiedly anxious because it's a place of great tumultuous violence towards Christians, and I have a Christian wife and a prophetically Christian daughter, um, you know, sitting in, in the country, um, you know, amongst many, many friends that we have who are all Christians and joined in what God has. If I was not in a place of rest over that complete trust and faith in the Lord that he has them in the palm of his hand and that nothing matters, I, I can honestly say, truly, I can honestly say that if our compound fell under attack, it would not rock me because it has and it didn't. It, it, this place of rest and surrender to the Lord truly will allow you to move under any condition with what the Lord asks you to do. And it is such a critical piece of walking with the Lord uh, you know, in, a, in a deep manner. You can walk with the Lord on the surface all day long and, and talk about the weather with him and all those things. And you know, probably you know, do all right until it comes time that the Lord really draws that line, which he's doing right now. But if you're really after God, these are the characteristics and the things that he's developing in you. When you ask for patience and you're praying for patience, if you're praying for, for the, the endurance of the ox, if you're praying for all those things, it doesn't just happen. Lord, you know, if, all concepts. Lord, huh, I'm about to enter this argument with my wife. Please, Lord, give me patience. You know, and you go into this argument with your wife or whomever. And you're asking the Lord for patience. He doesn't just give you patience. It does not work that way. It does not work that way. He gives you the opportunity to choose patience. And that is what grows your patience. If you're asking Lord, it's not to say that he won't do that. I'm not saying that he won't. I will never say that God can't or won't do something. Because the moment I say that, um, yeah, he'll prove me wrong. But what I'm saying is, generally, that's what he does. So when you've prayed for patience and you, 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 know, you lose your patience in this meeting and you're just like, you know, I don't know, I just lost control of myself and I started screaming and, you know, all this, it's because you weren't watching out for the opportunity. 
Look for an opportunity when you've asked for something. When you're, when you're in desperate need of money, Lord, I really, really could use $500 this week because I need to pay my mortgage. I really could do this. Sometimes, sometimes he will absolutely drop a check in your mailbox that's written from blank. You know, somebody who, when you look it up, it doesn't even exist and don't even know how I got this $500 check. But sometimes he provides you with a side job opportunity, somebody who needed their oven cleaned for $500 or somebody who wanted their house cleaned for three weeks in a row and it was a short-term gig. I mean, there are opportunities the Lord lays at your feet to do the work so that you earn the wages as well. So that's another thing. When you're, when you're seeking the Lord on these characteristics and really asking the Lord to develop you in, in more, um, you know, the ability to become his vessel, in what he does and what he asks you to do. Pray for these things. Ask the Lord to develop these things in you. And don't just sit there. Look for the opportunities to stretch that, to grow that, to, to step in obedience and pour your faith into that to where it's returned. Um, <clears throat> I think with that... I'm going to pray and have, have Greg come up and just kind of fill in anything he wants to fill in and, and, and just share anything the Lord laid on his heart. But Father, I just I thank you. Lord, I thank you just for what you're doing in each and every one of us, what you're doing in, God, just in our relationship with you, Lord, there is clearly clearly something taking place you can look at anything physical you can you can say it's all political in terms of the democrat and republican polarization and all of these things that are happening in the world and all of the divisiveness that's taking place and and one side blaming the other side and people becoming more extreme in in their speech and in their in their stances and their speaking out against things but lord the one thing that rings true We may not know exactly the inner workings of all of that and what it means, but the one thing is that you are doing something in the midst. You are driving a line deeper and deeper every week, every day, every hour, and you are saying, choose this day whom you will serve. Lord, I pray for each person who is here today and each person who is online. Father, I pray that each person ask that question of you, Lord. Ask that question, show me whom it is that I'm serving. Show it. Show me my heart, as David used to ask. Show me anything that's in the way, Father, from from that's making me hesitate in stepping with you, Lord. I pray, God, that you would provide an opportunity for each person, no matter what distractions are in their life, no matter what what plugs are in their ears, spiritually speaking. Father, I pray that you provide an opportunity this week, if not today, this week, Lord, that you speak clearly to each and every person here, the next step for them. Don't even need to tell them the whole plan for the next year. Tell them the next step. Lord, provide them the opportunity as they've heard this message. Provide every one of us, me too, provide them the opportunity to step into the next thing and pour our faith and surrender everything in what you've asked us to do, no matter how simple and small, no matter how large and challenging. God, I just pray for opportunity to continue to grow in relationship with you. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit takes any of this message that was discombobulated or, or maybe not even fully articulated well. Father, I'm a human being and I'm still growing and learning as well. Lord, digest this to each and every person. 
Help them to digest it into their spirit, Father, that where your spirit speaks further than what my human words speak. God, that every, every nuance of what was, what was discussed today and, and laid out, Lord, would, would speak deeper than what the words were on the surface, God. And I pray, Lord, that you just um, you give Greg anything that needs to be followed up with, that you give Greg another perspective even to, to share that may be needed, Father. Your will be done. Lord, as we enter these next months, weeks, Father, I, I just, I surrender everything to you, Lord. Everything is yours. Everything in my life, everything, Father, is yours. Everything that I even physically possess, whether it be spouse and child, Apple products that are precious, all these things, Lord, they're all from rent from you. Lord, so anytime that you're ready to end the lease agreement, it's your choice, Father, and I surrendered that, Lord, and I I thank you so much for the kindness that you have displayed to us every step of the way. The gentleness when you call us to something challenging, still in the midst of uh, uh, turmoil, Lord, you provide kindness and gentleness all along the way, helping us and guiding us and pouring your grace over every step. God, and I just pray your will to be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So don't be too concerned when he said that, huh? oh, thank you, behind me, next, oh, okay. I'm, you're pointing, okay, thank you, <laughs> all right, but don't be too concerned, well, concerned isn't probably the right word. Um, I'll just say it this way. When Michael talked about civil war coming to Nigeria, I could feel people, maybe in here, but perhaps online, saying, oh, man, we're, we're going to have to really be praying for them. And, or, oh, no. Hate to break it to you, but it's coming here first. That's probably not a surprise to most of the people here. But the Lord has said that. Don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of it. In fact, recognize that it is what the Lord is doing. As Michael was speaking and the Lord was speaking through him, what he kept laying on my heart is that he is making a deep separation among Christians. This is the line that keeps cutting deeper. We see it over and over again. And this is really the difficult part. Because if you are looking at relationship with the Lord, and Him guiding you and Him speaking to you over what you need to do next. If your whole motivation is to keep your life simple, to keep it out of turmoil, to keep it off the battlefield, then that's the wrong motivation. The motivation is that God has called you to the battlefield. 
We've talked about this this past year. Lex and I were talking about this just a couple days ago. When God calls you to the battlefield, what is the one thing you're going to get? Resistance. You're going to hit resistance. You're going to get hit by the enemy. Recognize the fact that he's prepared you for that. It doesn't mean we don't go through tough things. If that's the case, then Jesus Christ owes a huge apology to Paul. Because, see, he called Paul to a battlefield. He didn't say, man, I'm meeting you on this road to Damascus. Stop killing Christians. And now you're going to come into the fold and have this easy life where you won't face turmoil. He didn't do that. He said, Paul, I've called you to be a warrior. And guess what? When you're a warrior, you run into the battlefield. Now, you don't run stupidly. You don't run without preparation. And you don't run without being told. <laughs> okay, this is going to show my age a little bit. But when, when Michael was talking about the, the four faces and, and the vision of Ezekiel where they, they just stop. And, and do read about the whirling wheels because they're a big part of this. But, but when they just stop until they get their next instruction. And then they set their eyes and they move in that instruction. I was picturing, I am going to hold this. I, I was picturing what I think of as the original Star Wars. Okay, all you young people that think the 50 before the original Star Wars was the original, it's not. Okay, there was nothing before Obi-Wan. There was nothing before Darth Vader. I know there was, but whatever. For me, what it reminded me of was, was when Luke is, is learning how to, to fight with this lightsaber and he's being taught and he's just getting his rear end kicked. And so he says, okay, here, put this blindfold on. Oh, that'll help. Yeah, it will. Trust me, it will. Because then all of a sudden you're not being lied to by yourself. You're trusting something else. Now, in our case, we're trusting God. We're trusting that he will lead us in a pathway that is not our own, that we can't see. He is the eagle. He is the one with the eyes that can see beyond our sight. And I'm telling you what he is calling this church to. He's calling you to be on the battlefield. Not to be afraid of it, but literally to be willing to step no matter what. No matter what. That's what D.C. was about. As Michael said, we, we don't know what it's going to really build into, but we know that we were in places we shouldn't have been. We were in places and talking to people we had no business talking to. Most of them, as most of the people deal with, think we're a huge church. Think we're some huge organization. <laughs> now, if you count the fact that Dad owns the cattle on a thousand hills, then we are. 
we're pretty huge. But the reality is, it's him that leads. It's him that opens the doors. It's him that says, go. And when he says, go, go. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what the enemy will do. Because as you're plowing through this battlefield, the arrows are hitting. But if your faith is strong, they're hitting that shield of faith. Some may stick and be a little painful. But they're not going to stop you from moving forward. And they're not supposed to. It's, it's almost like God has just been waiting. He's been waiting for people that would not be focused on the circumstances of the resistance, but the light of the goal. And moving forward no matter what. And he's got those people, that's the line in the sand among Christians. Are you going to be willing to do that? That's what he's calling each of us to. Oh man, thank you. That was so good. That was so good because God expects your answer now. It's not an answer in a month. It's not an answer in six months. Well, let me, let me do this first. As was explained to Jesus in the gospel, let me just go take care of this first. There's no more time for that. Your choice is now. You're either part of this army or you're not. You do it, or you don't. You become the sword, or you spend your time hiding. Because the times in which we're stepping into is a mist, it's a fog. You're not going to be able to see without the eyes of God. Without Him saying where to go. Just like Luke, when he put the blindfold on, He had to be directed by a force. In our case, we know who that force is. And let him guide you in that, because he will. I'm just going to close this in prayer. Father, we worship you. We lay our lives down before you to do with what you will. God, teach us. Teach us just to know what it means to say yes. To take away all of the parameters that we place before that yes. And to just say yes. To do whatever you want us to do. You are changing the world. You're using your army to do it. That elite force who you've just called, not because of their abilities, but simply because they've said yes no matter what. To the cost even of their very lives, as you said in Revelation 12. We trust you. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.